This is the FBCG Live podcast with Pastor John K. Jenkins Sr. Today's message is titled, The Six Evidences of Salvation. The Bible clearly speaks about the evidence of being saved. Assurance is better than doubt. Wherever you're joining us from, we pray this message encourages and empowers you in your daily walk with God. I'm going to be talking tonight uh, about, I think something that's very important, it's the six evidences of salvation. I want to talk about how do you know that you're saved. When I was growing up, it was was a stressful thing because I heard all these different voices hollering at me about being saved. And, 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 or being a part of the kingdom. That's what the Jehovah's Witnesses would tell me. And I had the Jehovah's Witnesses over here and the Pentecostal people over here and uh, Charismatics over here. I had different people screaming and hollering, telling me all kinds of things. And some of them would say, well, you know, for you to be saved and for you to have the evidence of being saved, you had to speak in tongues or you had to, uh, you know, just a whole bunch of things. And, but when you really go into the scriptures, it gives you clarity about how you can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are a child of God. And that's what I want to give you tonight. I want to give you uh, six things that, that are demonstrations in your life that you belong to the Lord Jesus, that you are his child. And I want to spend a few moments talking about it. I want to, I want to give you these six. And it, it's, it's also, it, you know, they, they, some of these things become really highlighted early on in your walk with the Lord. When you first get saved, some of these things just burst right off the scene at the top uh, when you first accept the Lord. But they ought to still be evident in your life even later on. And that's what I want to spend this time talking about today. For you to examine yourself. This is not, I'm not giving you this for you to measure up against somebody else and determine if somebody else is right or if somebody else is saved. That's not what we're seeking to do. I'm trying to get you to look at your own life and say, well, Lord, um, am I really your child? You know, when, I, when I, I grew up in church, I was, you know, I was a church kid. My mother brought me to church as a young, a young child. And uh, I was in the choir. I was an usher. I was on the usher board. I was in Sunday school. I was a religious person. But at some point in that religious journey, I recognized that there was something void and missing in my life. And the truth be told, it was, a, it was a bunch of these things that I'm going to talk about now that wasn't evident in my life. And it was the void, it was the missing of these things that drew me to say and come to a place where I recognized that I really didn't have a relationship with Jesus. And even though I was already a church member, even though I had already walked the path and been baptized and had my name on the roll, One Tuesday night in revival service, I walked forward because I knew there was something missing in my life. And I determined that I would rather be sure than to have doubts. Or or I would rather have the absolute assurance that I belong to Jesus than to live my life. And then my life comes to a sudden end, which I didn't know when it would be and still don't know when it would be. But then find myself at a place where um, I'm lost for eternity. I don't want that. And so uh, I want to go through a, a bunch of scriptures. So I, you, you, know, you, you all might not be able to you know, keep up with these verses with me, but just at least jot them down and have an opportunity to read them in your, uh, when you get an opportunity to dive into them. And uh, throughout the course of this, there'll be an opportunity for you to 
send in questions if you have them. Okay, so I'm going to go through uh, these six evidences of salvation. And I have a whole slew of verses to go through. Here's the first thing. The first thing, the first evidence is uh, you have an awareness of right and wrong. And when you first get saved, it's a new awareness. It's a new awakening, awareness, that there's some things that perhaps you have been doing that you didn't feel any, any conviction about, any challenges about it. You didn't feel anything about it. But now all of a sudden that you've accepted Jesus, all of a sudden there is a sense of conviction about these things. You have a, you, you have a new concern about it. And... Uh, uh, I'm going to look at a, a number of these verses here. Let me give you, let's start with 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, number 1, verses 9 through 11. It says, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers. That word revilers means party goers. Yeah, that would be you, some of you. Nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. I love that verse 11. Such were some of you. But you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. God comes and washes you and cleanses you and justifies you and puts you in right spirit. And all of a sudden, these things that perhaps have been a part of your life you got convicted about them. That's, that's a sign that you, now you, 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 you have a conviction about something. You have, you're troubled. You're wondering, is this okay for me to do? There's, a, there's a, a level of conviction of the Holy Spirit who wants to change you from your lifestyle of walking down that path. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 11. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 through 24 Ephesians 4 verses 14 uh, verses 17 through 24 are these next verses let's let's take a moment to look at that this I say therefore and testify in the Lord that you should you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind having their understanding darkened being alienated from the life of God stick a pen right there because what we're talking about is the life of God, the life of God living in you. That life, uh, that, that life of the Lord lives inside of you, is vibrant, and, and, and he answers your prayers, and he orders your step. He said, but, but he says, don't, don't walk like the Gentiles, depending on what their mind can reason and say. Having their understanding of truth darkened. Some of y'all are following people whose understanding is darkened. Who are alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. Because of the blindness of their heart. Verse 18. Because of the blindness of their heart. Who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness. That word lewdness means it's less serious than the... King James, it just means you just give in to sin. You, you don't even try to resist no more. You just, you've given in to work all uncleanness with greediness. But you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man, 
which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust and be renewed in the spirit of your mind that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. So there's, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a new awareness to you that you want to you put on what righteousness. You want to put on what's pleasing to God. And you want to you wanna live in a holy lifestyle. You want to let go some, some of these past behaviors. You don't want to no longer just give in to sin. Put up the fight. I don't care what you struggle with. Everybody got something that they struggle with. But I don't care what it is. Fight to the end. Don't, don't, don't just give in. That's what lewdness means. Lasciviousness. You just surrender to it. You don't even try to do what's right. You just give in all the way to it. And so uh, it's an awareness. The whole term here has to do with you are aware. You are sensitized to it. Here's another passage. Galatians chapter 5. Verses 16 through 25. I know this is a lengthy passage of scripture, but follow and hang with me for just a moment. Chapter, chapter 5 of Galatians, verse 16 verse 20, through, through verse 25. I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another. Wow, that's profound. So that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbirths of wrath, selfish ambition, dissensions, heresies, envy, murder, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. That list, list, all that stuff. Of which I tell you before, just as I also told you in time past, those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. If this is your lifestyle, Scripture says, you will not be able to participate. You will not engage, enjoy, experience, inherit the kingdom of God. God's laying it out for us. It's, it's crystal clear. Uh, and so uh, my challenge to us today uh, is that. Look at verse 22. Let me go to verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. So, so you're, either, you're either guided by your flesh or you're guided by the Spirit. And those who are Christ, verse 24, and those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. You have to learn to, to recognize there's some stuff. i gotta, I got to crucify my flesh. It's not, it, my flesh don't want to do what's right. It's not going to do what's right. You cannot trust your flesh. You can't do what you feel like, what your emotions tell you, what your heart tells you. The Bible says your heart is desperately wicked. You cannot know it. You can't, you can't flow and walk and trust in that. No, no, no. Uh, we, we, we will live in the Spirit. If, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. If we are spiritual beings, and we are. When you accept Jesus, you become a spiritual being. When, when you become a spiritual being, that's what God has called you to do. So that's number one, is a level of awareness. Awareness of right and awareness of what's wrong. You can no longer just do wrong and not have some level of conviction 
You know, I, I believe uh, the Holy Spirit pokes you in your side, pokes you in your conscience to say, you know, you know you're not supposed to do that. You know you're not supposed to be engaged in that. You know you're not supposed to be walking down that road. And so there's an awareness. Here's number two. It is a hunger for God's word. And I've highlighted this word hunger. It is a new passion, hunger for the word of God. Man, that, you know, what are you hungering for? What, what is it that you can't wait to get into? And, and, and when, you become, when, you, when you're a child of God, you, you, you come to recognize the power of the word. I know there have been times in my life seasons of my life where that word just leaped off the pages and spoke to my burden, my challenge, my issues, leaped off the pages and smacked me across my face and gave me an answer to something I had been praying for. Hadn't talked to anybody about it, but reading that word, bam, it leapt off the pages and ministered and gave me hope and answers and, and gave me ultimately victory of what the Lord had called me to, uh, what he wanted me to do, or gave me direction for choices and decisions I wanted to make. That's why I love the word of God. It speaks to every situation in life. Let's look at some of these verses. Job 23 verse 12. Job 23 and verse 12 for hunger. Here's what it says. I have not departed from the commandments of his lips. I have treasured the word of, words of his mouth more than my necessary food. And that, that's profound. Here's, here's Job 23. The man says, I, I haven't strayed away. His friends came and told him he was, Job was going through what he was going through because he must have done something wrong. He must have disobeyed God. He must have committed some sin, and God was punishing him. And Job said, I, I haven't departed from the commandments of God's lips. Matter of fact, I've treasured the words of his mouth more than the food that I, that I eat. That's how important the word of God, God wants the word of God to be to us, that we treasure it. That we absolutely treasure it. Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 2. That's the next verse. 1 Peter uh, chapter 2 verse 2. That's, that's, that's uh, the second verse that I'm going to give you. It has newborn babes it says. Desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Like a newborn baby sucking and, and sipping and taking in that word. That's how we should read it. I was talking to somebody today who said, you know, Pastor, I, I know you read Proverbs every day, and I tried to read it, but it didn't make sense to me. One of, one of our members said this to me just this weekend. And um, I said, you know what, you, you don't read Proverbs like a, like a story. It's not a, it's not a book of stories. It's, it's, that's not it. But as you read through the chapters of Proverbs, there might be a, a verse. If just one verse says something to you, if one word in the chapter says something to you, grab a hold of that and suck on it and and, and take it in. If a phrase ministers to you, nurture on it, feed on it, let it let it let it speak to you, uh, like a newborn baby. The pure word, the pure milk of the word, that you may grow about thereby. And and the thing I love about First Peter two two says this is how we grow. This is one of the elements that God has given to us that helps us to develop and grow. It is a diet of the word of God. And so if you're saved, you want you want that word, you want it. There's something inside of you that gives you a thirst and a hunger for the word of God. He wants us to have that. Let's go to several verses I have here in Psalm. Psalm 119, verse 11. 119, verse 103. 
Psalm 119, verse 127. I got all three of these verses lined up for you in just a moment here. So go ahead and jot them down. 119, 119.11, 119.103, 119.127. Uh, what does it say? Here's, here's what uh, 119.11 says. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. I've taken that word. In, this, is a, this particular passage is what I call a memorization passage. To challenge us to memorize the word. Hide it in our heart. Get it inside of us. Have a hunger for it. And don't tell me you can't do it. I mean, I hear, I see and hear young people quoting and reading, uh, singing songs, rap songs. I don't even know how they remember all of the words. To adult. They don't rhyme. They don't make no sense. But they can just go from the beginning of the song to the, to the end. And have every single word not miss a beat. So if you can do that with the rap, you can do that. I challenge you to take the scriptures and put it in a rap song. Whatever it takes for you to get it. Let's look at verse 10, Psalm 119, verse 103. Here's what it says. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. God wants us to view it as we digest it and take it in. That is it's wonderful. It's precious. All of this is in Psalm 119. Look at verse 127. It says, therefore, I love your commandments more than gold. Yes, then find gold. God wants us to have a thirst and hunger and passion that we love the word of God. And I, I'm here to tell you today, I love that. Uh, that word is life. God wants us to have it. Uh, it's, 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 it's powerful. It's amazing. Jeremiah chapter 15, verse 16. Here's our next one. I'm, I'm taking my time like I got all day and I don't. Jeremiah 15, 16. Your words were found and I ate them. And your word was to me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. Y'all see, let me read that again. Your words were found and I ate them. I came across something and it spoke to me. I ate them. I digested them. I took them in. And your word was to me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. I mean, I mean man, uh, uh, I, I don't even know if I can uh, tell you. Uh, some of you know what I'm talking about when you experience the, the word that, that causes you to rejoice and celebrate and shout and jump and leap. It's phenomenal. Amen. So, you know, this is, this is one of the um, uh, evidences that Jesus is living inside of you. He he creates a hunger in you for his word. And, and my, my encouragement would be to you, don't, don't take that thirst that you have and that hunger that you have and then dive off and start reading the wrong stuff and getting in some other things. Get in the word. Get in the word. If somebody says, well, I don't understand the word. Get in a place where you can get somebody to teach you the word and under, so you can understand the word. That's what becomes important. That you can get into an environment in a place where that word ministers to you, speaks to you, directs your course and your life. Here's number three. It's a desire for a changed life. God changes your desires. This too is another powerful demonstration and evidence that a person has uh, had an encounter with Jesus. That's, that's what this is about. You've encountered the Lord Jesus. He has come into your heart, come into your life. 
And one of the things that's the evidence that he's coming to your life is that you want to change. You want to be different. You want to be obedient to what his word says. Not what you want. Not what you desire. But you want to, you want to do what's pleasing to, to the Lord. If you still have a, a level of pride and arrogancy about doing what you want to do and can't nobody tell you nothing and you ain't listening, then maybe Jesus hasn't taken a control of your heart. Let me say something about this while I'm on this, because a lot of times people have an emotional, an emotional experience in church. And I, I want to be clear that there is a distinct difference between an emotional experience and a spiritual experience. This is a marked difference. Getting saved is not simply an emotional experience. We're talking about, a, we're talking about you having a spiritual encounter with Christ where you recognize you're, you're a sinner, you're walking down the wrong road, you're doing the wrong things, you're not pleasing to God, you're on your way to hell. And you repent. One of the elements, there's two elements that bring salvation, repentance and faith. Repentance means I get off the road I'm on, I'm making it about faith, I'm going 180 in the opposite direction, I'm not going to continue down the path I'm going. I'm not going to keep doing what I'm doing. And I'm going to put my faith in the Lord Jesus, in his death, burial, and resurrection. I'm going to put my faith in, confidence in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And when you do those two things, when you are willing to turn away from how you lived your life and put your faith in Jesus, the promises of God is he makes you a brand new creation. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Not might be, hope to be, shall be. God will transform them when they do those things. Be willing to repent and to put their faith in what Jesus did on the cross to wash away your sins. Very important. And when that happens, you get desires to want to please God. Let's look at some verses here. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. Here's what it says. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away and all things have become brand new. All things become new. You get in Christ and you, he, he makes you a new person. Things are not the same. You're different. Look at Psalm 51 verse 10. Psalm 51 verse 10. It says this. Create in me a clean heart, O God. And renew a steadfast spirit within me. That's the, king, the, the new King James says steadfast. The, the King James says create and renew a, a, a new spirit within me. Make me brand new. Uh, give me, you, you want to do different. This particular passage was written when David had sinned against God. And he repented. And he asked God to create in him, a, a, clean up his heart, clean up his life. When you have the Lord Jesus in your life, you accept him. You want a new heart. You want, you want a clean heart. And you want, you want, you want to have, a, 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 you, want, you want God to change your life and change your direction, change your course, change your passions. And his power can do it. You can't do it by your, your own strength and ability. You can't. You want him to do it by his power and his might and his spirit. Let's look at Romans chapter 6, verses 4 through 6. Ro Romans 6, verses 4 through 6. Therefore. We were buried with him through baptism into death. That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also 
should walk in newness of life. This is how we should live. For if we have been united together, for if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. There's the profound, powerful promises of God that we do not have to remain enslaved to stuff that we used to be enslaved to. You don't have to stay, continue, addicted, habits, practices that are not pleasing to Almighty God. He frees us. There's a level of freedom that God gives us. And he makes it available to you and I. He gives you that desire. So, uh, I don't care how far you've strayed away from God. Uh, there ought to be a voice always calling you to come, come back home. There ought to be always a voice beckoning you to get right with God. Ought to be that. Here's my final verse here. It's Philippians chapter 3 verse 7. Philippians chapter 3 verses 7 through, it's actually verses 7 through 9. Uh, let's see. Here's what it says. But what things were gained to me these I have counted lost for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. For whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. And be found in him, verse 9, not having my own righteousness which is from the law. But that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. There's a whole lot in that verse right there. Let me back back up and go, walk through it slowly again. He says, verse 7, but, but what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss. He says, I'm not trying to hold on to anything. I'm going to let everything go. Let the past go. Let those relationships go. Let those habits go. I count it as loss. Yet, indeed, verse 8, I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. If, if I'll get rid of that so I can know Jesus. So I can have a relationship with him. For whom I have suffered the loss of all things. And count them as rubbish. It's trash. Paul is saying. Paul is saying to the Philippian church. The stuff I once had is trash. Don't need it. Don't want it. It's no good for me. I want to be. I want to be in the center of the will of God. I want the knowledge of Jesus in my life. I want his word in my life. I want him controlling and ordering the steps of my life. Everything else I had is trash. It's rubbish, he says. But that which through faith in Christ, this is what I've got that's so pro profound. Be found in him, he says in verse 9, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law. My righteousness came from the law, but that, that ain't going to work. But that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God, by faith. We get, this is profound, you all, get this. When you accept Jesus, and, and he's in your heart, in your life, you get be, you're brought to a place of righteousness before God. You're in a right standing with God. You are brought into a right place simply because you put your faith in the Lord. Not by the virtues of the works you have done but by virtue of you putting your faith in Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection. God automatically, supernaturally, puts you in right standing. The Holy Spirit puts you in right standing and puts you in the presence of God as a righteous person.
That's profound. I need y'all to, I want you to hold on to that. Get a hold of that. Embrace that. That's powerful. It's amazing that God overnight, supernaturally, puts us in right standing with him. Man, that's, I, I love that right there. I just, when I think about my life and my, 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 my past and uh, my challenges and issues, I'm grateful that righteousness is not on, on the basis of, of my, my righteousness. My standing with God is not based on my righteousness, but on the righteousness of the Lord Jesus that I get by faith. Amen. Okay, here's number four. Are y'all still with me? Hey, hey, are you with me? It's an increase in testing. Nobody's uh, shouting on this right here. Uh, people don't line up. To, people don't line up to be tested. But one of the evidences that you can know that you belong to the Lord is you all of a sudden have an increase in being challenged and tested and issues, problems. Oh yeah. Um, and I, I just think it's, uh, uh, I think, I think uh, God wants us to just be aware. And, and the reason this is important is so many people think that you get saved and everything going to be peaches and cream. I'm just going to be skipping down the yellow brick road. Everything's going to be fine. I'm, I'm going home. Uh, but there is a component in life that you're going to, you, there's suffering and then there's, there's testing. Those are things that you, you will have in the journey. And we have not adequately prepared people if we don't tell them that you're going to experience testings and challenges and problems. Uh, and, and that's an evidence. That, that's one of the things that's an evidence. Let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 12. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 12 is the first verse we're going to look at. And here's what it says. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Simple verse. Yes, and all who desire to live godly, who want to be in the will of God, will have persecutions. You will be talked about. You will be rejected. People will turn you away. Yes, all who desire to live godly. You want to live in a godly way before the Lord you're going to be disliked and unliked and talked about, rejected. People are going to talk about you behind your back and in front of your face. Rejection. You're going to be persecuted. Uh, jot that down. Here's First Peter. Here's the next verse. First Peter chapter 4. Jot this down. First Peter chapter 4 verses 12 through 14. Jot that down. First Peter 4, 12 through 14. Beloved. Do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. Wow, man, don't think it's weird. It's not weird. But rejoice, it says, to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. So don't think it's strange that people talk about you, reject you, you go through all these problems and issues. But the scripture says, verse 13, uh, you, are, you are participating in the same thing that Christ went through. And it says, but the thing is, learn to rejoice because if you, if you are a partaker of his suffering, if you're suffering for his sake, 
because you picked up his name and you're, you're pronouncing and proclaiming and living for him uh, when his glory is revealed, verse 13, when his glory is revealed, put that back up there, when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. God is going to bring and help you experience, ha, hallelujah, when his glory is revealed, you'll be a partaker of his glory. Oh, man, that's so profound. Whatever you go through, God will pay you double for your trouble. Verse 14 says, if you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you. For the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part, he's blasphemed, but on your part, he's glorified. People are blaspheming him and talking about you and rejecting you. But on your part, you, God is glorified. You are celebrating that they're talking about Jesus. They, they, and that's what they're doing. They're rejecting. You know, people are rejecting. The culture is rejecting the gospel. They reject the scriptures. It's okay. Because there's going to come a day when Jesus is going to prove to everybody who he is. That he is king of kings and lord of lords. And he'll be glorified and you'll be a part of that glory. Oh yeah, they look like they're here. They're winning. They're doing all great things right now. But the truth of the matter is, when, the, when it's all said and done, when Jesus comes. When Jesus comes to the forefront. When he steps to the plate and establishes his kingdom. When he comes to the table. Hallelujah. It's going to be a great deal and those of you who took that rejection and got blasphemed and, and ridiculed because you stood for the Lord Jesus, it's okay. God sees everything you're going through. God sees everything you are going through. And whatever you're going through, he's going to reward you. He's going to celebrate you. He's going he's to take, take the, 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 the joy and he's going to do it. He's going to, he's going to, you're going to experience glory with him. Hallelujah. All right, Luke chapter 6. Here's the last verse. Here's the last one. Luke 6, 22. Jot that one down. Luke 6, 22. And, and I, you know, this is, I want y'all to highlight this. Put a circle around it because a lot of people buzz out and, and quit when they get some testing. They walk away from the kingdom. They, um, you know, they, they, they can't take it. Well, they tell themselves they can't take it, and they, they quit. And I'm, I'm trying to prepare you that, that, that that's a part of the journey. It is a part of the journey. Luke 6.22, here's what it says. Blessed are you when men hate you, and when they exclude you, and revile you, and cast out your name as evil for the, man, for the son of man's sake. Blessed are you when they don't like you, talk about you, ridicule you, don't include you in what they're doing. Exclude you. Don't invite you to their parties. Don't come to yours. Say nasty things about you. And call you evil. It's okay. It don't bother me. I, I got past that. I had the time when it used to bother me. It don't bother me. No, say what you want. Talk about me. Call me names. It's okay. I know. I know in whom I believe. And I know about my relationship with the Lord. I know who I am. And I want all of you to know who you are and whose you are. I want you to know who you are and whose you are. And when you have people rejecting you. And we, we get into the day and the time, saints. I want you all to hear this. We get into the day and the time when those who are standing for the Lord Jesus and are committed to him, you're going to be ridiculed even more. You're going to be talked about. You're going to be rejected. You're going to be excluded. That day's coming. It, 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 I see it coming so clearly. 
because the culture is getting more and more, society is getting more and more anti-God, anti-Bible, anti-Jesus. More and more they want their own ways and their own patterns of stuff. And they're going to talk about you. They're going to ridicule you. But hang tough. Stick in there. Stay in there. Keep walking with the Lord. Don't let them push you away. Stay the course. I got to hurry up. I'm acting like I got all day. Here's number five. Number five, the, the, one of the evidences that you belong to the Lord is you have love for other Christians. This is repeated so many times in scripture. I mean, over and over again. I'm just going to give you a couple of these verses. I'm, matter of fact, I'm going to give you a bunch of these verses. I'm going to give you three or four. Read them when you get an opportunity. Here's the first one, John chapter 13, verse 35. Uh, John 13, verse 35. It says this, by this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. It's one of the evidences that a person belongs to the Jesus that they love other people. I, I, I get bothered and troubled by people who don't want to be around Christians. Don't want to be around other believers. Not, not, not good. This is not, this is not good. You come to church and you don't want to talk to nobody. You sit off in the corner by yourself. As soon as church is over, you're cutting right out. You don't want to engage with nobody. You don't want to have a relationship with nobody. That's not the sign that Jesus is talking about. You demonstrate that you have a relationship with the Lord by how you show love to other people, especially Christians. By this, Jesus said, all will know that you are my disciples. By this, because you have love for one another. You have, you have stepped past your, your, yourself and you learn to love other people. Here's another verse. 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2 verses 10 through 11. Jot that verse down. 1 John 2 verses 10 through 11. It says this. He, he who loves his brother abides in the light and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded him. What, what is it? He who hates his brother, dislikes his brother. He who loves his brother abides in the light. Verse 10 says, but he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness. The evidence that you belong to the Lord, he gives you compassion and love for other people. Especially in the kingdom of God. When you are a child of God and Jesus lives in you, he gives you the ability beyond yourself. Beyond your own ability to love other people. Here's 1 John chapter 3. Here's another verse. 1 John chapter 3 verses 10 through 14. 1 John 3. I hope I'm not going too fast for y'all. Uh, 10 through 14. Y'all might, might have to go back to YouTube or go to our website and relook at some of these things. And get these. But that's what I'm telling you. Just to write the verses down. And uh, go back and read them when you have an opportunity. Because I'm just, I'm just scanning these verses. Here's, here's 1 John 3 verses 10 through 14. In this the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. Here's how the children of God are manifested. And here's how the children of the devil are manifested. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God. Nor is he who does not love his brother. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Not as Cain, who was of the wicked one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his works were evil and his brothers righteous. 
Boy, I wish I had time to talk about Cain and Abel, but I don't. Do not marvel, my brethren, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life. Verse 14, I like this verse. We know that we have passed from death to life. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. This is as crystal clear as it can be. We know we pass from death to life because God has put love in our hearts for others. He has put the capacity and the ability in us to love other people. That's a, that's a signal that Jesus lives in you. He gives you the capacity to love somebody else. Here's another verse, 1 John chapter 4. This is a string of verses, uh, verses 7 through 13 and verses 20 and 21. 1 John 4, 7 through 13, 20 and 21. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. And that's, that's clear. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If, if we love one another, God abides in us and his love has been perfected in us. But this we know, that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. If someone says, verse 20, I'm sliding down to verse 20 and 21 now. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God? God whom he has not seen and this commandment we have from him that he who loves God must love his brother also wow profound there it is bam there it is right there love now if you um, if you having problems loving somebody you need to pray about it you need to take that into your relationship with God and again, we're not just talking about people loving people who love you. We're talking about God giving you the capacity and the ability to love people who may have wronged you. This is, this is the thing that marks that a person is a Christian, is they have the capacity to love somebody and even forgive them. I think about the, the mother AME church down in South Carolina when that, that uh, white racist came in and killed those nine people. And yet the members of that family forgave that guy. Wow. You know those people know Jesus. You know the, that they got some Jesus, they got some saints in that church. But that's what God gives us the capacity. That's what Jesus gives us the capacity to do. To do beyond what human effort can do. To do beyond what our flesh can do. He gives us the capacity to love. Let me hurry up. I got one more. Here's number Let me go to number six. I'm just acting like I got all day and I don't. Here's number six. The evidence that you belong to Jesus is you have a desire to tell others about Christ. 
you become evangelistic. You, you, you have a burden to share this good news. You want to tell somebody else about the goodness of the Lord and what he's done for you. You, you, you're, you, you want to compassionately run and tell people about it. You want to share it with, it, with other people. First, First Peter 3.15. First Peter 3.15. Jot that verse down. Put that next to it. First Peter 3.15. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to anyone, to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Here's what this verse is saying. Because of, of, of what God has done in, in you, you're ready to always give a response to somebody who asks you about this hope that you have. So we want to be people who always are able to share the gospel. That's our church spends a lot of time equipping people how to share the gospel. John chapter, John chapter 4, verses 28 and 29. It says this. Uh, the woman then left her water pot. This is a, the woman uh, that met Jesus at the well. The woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city and said to the men, come see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? She had an encounter with Jesus at the well and she was so excited she ran to town and told everybody, come see somebody who told, told me all things that I've ever done. The point we want to see here is that she had an encounter with Jesus and she ran and told somebody else. You have an encounter. He forgives you of your sin. He washes your slate clean. Run and tell somebody about it. Let me close with this. My time is running out. Matthew chapter uh, 28 verses 19 and 20. It says this. Go therefore. Verses 19 and 20 of Matthew chapter 28. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father. And of the Son. And of the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. That's the, that's the command that Jesus gives us, that we are in a capacity and in an, in an ability to be in a posture to share Jesus with other people. That's what he wants us to do. So, these are the six evidences. Now, jot, jot these down. I hope you've jotted them down. Take note. Examine yourself. I don't give these to you for you to put them up and hold them up against somebody else. I give them to you because I want you to examine your own self. And, and, and these are things that should be continuing to flow in your, in your life even today. You knew after you've been saved for 10, 15, 20 years, doesn't matter. You should still have some component of these things flowing and functioning in your life. And I want to encourage you to do that. I have, I have a ton of questions, and I'm not going to be able to answer them today. I, you know what? I'll pick up on these answers next week. I'm sorry. And I, I think I said the same thing last week, didn't I? Uh, but I never got those. I never got the answers. I never got the questions. I got to get with my production team because I taught on finances. Bad. I think I did bad decisions, financial decisions, and I never got the questions. Y'all going to have to give me those questions because I didn't. if we got them, I didn't answer them. And I see I got a ton of questions here today. Next week will be a question and answer time. So I'll answer the questions from the financial issues that came in, and I'll answer the questions from these. So we'll do questions and answers. That's what next Tuesday will be, okay? Hope that you'll join us, and I'll see you soon.
You've been listening to FBCG Live with Pastor John K. Jenkins Sr. The evidence of salvation should remain constant in your life. If you've been blessed by this message and would like to help us reach more people through this ministry, please click the link in the podcast description or visit our website, fbcglenarden.org slash give to donate. Thank you for joining us. We hope that you'll subscribe so that you'll never miss an episode. Be sure to tune in next week.